Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. God never works outside of context. Even in the creation account, He took six days to create the heavens and the earth. Create context first, then put man. And the Bible says everything literally, both things in heaven and things on the earth, was made for the was made for the man. Okay? So just like when a lady gets pregnant and nine months, baby's in the womb, usually wise couples make preparation for the child's room. Right? So when the child comes, comes into a context, my room, my cot at least, you know, there's some some structure prepared to receive the child. Okay? So I want to encourage you with the same. I have so much in my heart, I actually don't know where to go. I have two sets of notes here. But um, I thought when uh, uh, Gordon's heart-moving reading of the Scriptures this morning, you could really sense, if you're perceptive enough, sense the Lord speaking profoundly through those Scriptures, powerfully. And I just love the the framing of that to powers and principalities, God is is wanting to declare His wisdom to powers and principalities through the church. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knee. With the father of the family is both in heaven and on earth. Okay? And uh, I want to encourage us that, uh, and then he, in his prayer, he made mention of the fact that the blessings of Abraham are ours to receive. Okay? And I believe that I started this, we started talking about blessings last week, remember? And the Lord hijacked the service in the middle of my sermon. And we started speaking of faith, right? And being robust in faith, not being conditioned by external things. Uh, Abraham did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strong in faith, believing God who calls those things which are not as though they, as though they are. So last week we started continuing the series on grace, but we are focusing now on favor as an expression of the grace of God. The word favor, like I keep telling you, is also translated grace. Favor alludes to unfair advantage, preferential treatment that God gives you. Now, one way to understand favor is to simply understand how blessed you are in Christ. Okay? Uh, The favor of God is encoded into your DNA as a son of God. It's, It's factored in already. Right? You are already favored, okay? You are already favored of the Lord. It, it's factored into your, your, into, the, into your identity as God's son. Nobody can say, I'm God's son, and not be favored. The two are, are you, you can't be son of God and not be favored. That's a contradiction of terms. The fact that you are son of God, that you are God's son, God is your father, means in this life you will enjoy the favor of the Lord. And like I, I keep telling you, God has factored this in not just to your identity. He has factored this into all of creation. Now please, you must understand things both in heaven and things both in earth were designed for you. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. 
question is why? Why would God make heaven and earth? He made everything because his intent, I'm going to put a son in the midst of all of this. So it's obvious that everything was made to accommodate the son. Right? So when God in Genesis 2 says, now the Lord made the heavens and the earth and he, he completed his works and he rested. Right? He made the, the, he, the earth and the heaven and all its hosts. Everyone say hosts. Right? Can we put Genesis 2 quickly? Genesis 2 verse 1 and 2. You've got to understand this to understand indeed how blessed we are in Christ. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. Now it's fine to say the heavens and the earth were completed. But Moses who wrote Genesis adds in this by revelation. And he says and all their hosts. Right? Hosts in the Hebrew is sabah. T, the T is silent, T-S-A-B-A, Sabah. Sabah literally means things arranged with military precision to serve somebody. To serve somebody. I wanna, you must get this, things arranged with military precision in battle array almost. But it also alludes to vast resources locked up in the eternal dimension. The whole idea is everything, both in heaven and on earth, has what we, called, we call hosts. Notice, we often only think of heavenly hosts, but this verse says their hosts. It means earth has hosts too. It's heavens and earth and all their hosts. The word hosts, like I said, please get this. Sabah, it's, it's like an army arranged with military precision, with a whole arsenal of resource, anything you need, with the idea of servitude. Everyone say servitude. In other words, God meant that when he made the heavens and the earth, he programmed into both realms stuff, resource, that. The man that he would ultimately create on the sixth day at the end of the creative process put the man in the garden on the sixth day. God meant for everything in heaven and everything on earth to point toward the man, to serve the man, to resource the man. Man is the center of God's creative endeavors. Man is the climax of creation. Everything was made with you in mind. Why is the earth the focus of God's attention right why do i believe there is there is no life on another planet why do i hold that view why is there only life on this planet and whilst even uh scientists say that some of the 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 uh, atmospheric compositions of some distant planets are kin to earth and the possibility of life there why cannot there be any human life there why is earth the center of god's I mean, the universe and the galaxies are wide and vast, right? Why is all God's attention focused on us? A clue is in the creation order. What was made on day one? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Day one, light. That's not sunlight. Sun, the sun was only made later, okay? So it can't be sunlight. God, the New Testament says, God is light. Right? In him was life, John 1, and his life was the light of men. 
in the book of Revelation, the Bible says, there will be no need for sun nor moon, for the Lord will be the Lamb, will be the light of this city. So light is a reference to the nature of God. Right? Light, if you're in a room of darkness and we say, put on the light, when we reference light, we are referencing the fact of seeing or disclosing something previously unknown. was in darkness, but now it's coming to light. Remember the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep or the dark. There were some things that God held of His nature in ignorance concerning creation. But He chose on a specific day, the first day, is the self-disclosure of God. Everyone say self-disclosure. Right? So on that day, God said, in the, you see, I'm not going to create anything outside of a revelation of who I am. So in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth on day one. Let there be, let there be light. The self-revelation of God. On day two, what did he make? Oh, by the way, these were not 24-hour periods. When I say day, it can't be 24 hours because the sun wasn't made yet. No sun, no moon, no, no system to calculate 24 hours, right? So these are not days as we know days. These are epochs of time. Uh, we don't know how long. In terms of human year calculations, we don't know how long. These were systems or lengths of time in which God would, would do certain things, right? So everyone say the self-revelation of God. So the self-revelation of God took place on day one. How long? We don't know. God came out of darkness right you know what the bible says in isaiah it says he wraps himself in darkness right he is light and he can choose to reveal himself in light okay darkness is not necessarily evil don't think darkness as in evil okay god can use it for his own purposes right and the bible says he discloses himself on day one on day two what did he make on day two the bible says he made the Heavens, plural. In other words, more than one heaven. There are at least three that we know of. Paul's, there's the natural heaven, which we call our atmosphere. Right? There's a second heaven in which the domain of darkness exists, Satan and his demons. There's a third heaven from which the realm of God rules. Right? Um, the angelic realm, uh, the place where God throne so to speak is seated but even beyond that there's a clue that possible possibility of more than three in Solomon's statement where Solomon said this remember when Solomon tried to build a house for God and God said to him um, this house can't contain me and Solomon when he dedicated the temple said this God the heavens plural and even the highest of the heavens cannot contain you how much less this building I've built if that whole realm can't fill all that you are, how much less an earthly physical structure uh, can contain you? But the point, listen, is that on day two, God made the heavens, right? Don't get too caught up with the theology of this. Uh, everyone say day two heavens. <laughs> day two heavens. On day three, he made the earth. Right? On day three, he made the earth. On day four, he made Sun, moon, stars, and the rest of the galaxies. What was God's priority? Earth. 
before the rest of the, the galaxies. God's focal focus of God's attention has always been the earth. From the earth we will rule all things, both in things in heaven and things on earth. Okay? Now, the Bible clearly says that, get back to Genesis 2, that on thus, now, the record of the accounts of what happened on each day, I won't go through all of them, that's not my focus. Then Genesis 2 starts, thus the heavens and the earth were complete. So God finished everything. Do you know the cure for cancer is in the earth? When you get a flu and your doctor prescribes medication for you, some man discovered what God put in the earth to cure that. Everything is found here. When it speaks about the host, God knows everything in his wisdom. You know, the Bible says there are hidden treasures even in the earth that we have not yet discovered. All that man would need to sustain life is dna It's encoded. It's factored into creation already. But God meant for the heaven to resource the earth. Okay? Let thy will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. So when he put man, the first son of God, Adam, that was created, Adam was the son of God, because so does Matthew tell us in the, gene in the genealogy of Jesus, the Bible says, Adam, the son of God. So the son of God is placed in the garden, and he's, he's told to steward all things, right? to steward all things, have dominion on the earth. Adam's domain was only the earth. But you know what? We're not going back to Garden of Eden. We're not even going back to the first man, Adam. We're going back to our pre-existent state in Christ. God is not reconciling all things back to the first man, Adam. He's reconciling all things back to Christ. And in Christ, we will rule not only the earth, but the heavens also. It's a, it's a far-fetched idea for most of you, I know. I was there once. Okay, How these things happen, I don't know. But I know that if the Bible says I'm in Christ and all things are going to be reconciled, both seen and unseen, both visible and invisible, brought together in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, in Christ, we're going to rule not only this planet, but every creative order. That's why the scripture that I appreciate so much, the scripture that Gordon read, where it says to powers and princes, to the entire unseen demonic world, God will manifest His wisdom through who? This is through the, through the church. Okay? So do you know there is a wisdom that God wants to manifest through you to unseen angels? It's like you're going to become the university of the angelic realm. They're going to study you and to hear the wisdom coming out of your mouth to understand things about God. Right? Angels are like the Bible says, they are on tiptoe, peering over, looking into the affairs of men. There's a wisdom that don't, they don't even know that will only be manifest in and through the church. Okay? So tell you never manifest the wisdom. Now I'm saying all of that to say this. Let's just read this. All their hosts. Okay? Everyone say their hosts. So I want you to leave here with this thought. Everything in heaven and everything in earth was designed to serve me. Not me per se, 
to serve the image of God's Son in me. You see, dominion was not given to man. Dominion was given to the image of God in man. If you read the text clearly, it says, In the image and likeness God created man. And he said to them, Have dominion in the earth. Replenish the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. You cannot have that without image and likeness. It's in the image and likeness that you are created that that mandate flows. If you mar image and likeness, no mandate. No authority. No dominion. Okay? So keep together. Keep together the representation of Christ in you. Come on, tell them, keep it together. Right? Keep it together. And I keep, I, I keep telling you this. I think I told you a few weeks ago. Remember Cain when he murdered his brother? Abel, what, what did the ground do? The ground did not respond to him. And the ground did not do what? The scripture says the ground did not yield its strength to Cain. God said to him, the blood of your brother is crying out for vengeance. You killed your brother. Now, he was a farmer. So God is saying, now when you try farm, the ground will not recognize you as having authority over its hosts. Everything God Put in there to respond to the image of God in you. Right? So I want to encourage you. Think. Don't walk around proudly or arrogantly. But you think like this. I'm not a beggar in life. I'm not a survivor in life. I'm not a victim in life. If I get my image and likeness together, every host in heaven and earth, there are factors there are things God encoded in the earth and in the heavens designed to come to my aid when I need it. So long as I have image and likeness designed to fulfill purpose, God will release every resource I need to fulfill that mandate in the earth. Amen? Amen? So, now, you see, blessed. Say blessed. Tell your neighbor, I'm a blessed man or woman. I'm blessed. So when I walk in the earth, I, I expect preferential treatment. I expect favor. It's not an arrogant position. It's a raw, confident position knowing who I am. That no policy in the earth, that things will bend to accommodate me. Simply because they will respond to the identity of the Son of God in me. You know, I'm so tempted to teach on this other topic right now, but I don't want to go there. Listen carefully. When... Abraham wanted to buy a cave to bury Sarah. Sarah died, right? Sarah's dead. Abraham mourned her death so intensely that he wanted to buy a cave to preserve her last remains. By the way, this cave he would buy, every other patriarch together with their wives would be buried in it. So he's not just acting for the immediacy of his own wife, He's setting a pattern for his son, his grandson, and their wives to follow after him. But he saw a cave. It's called Makpelah. You won't say Makpelah. Makpelah, right? he saw a cave that he liked. Right? They didn't bury people underground. They put them and they embalmed their bodies, put them in, in caves, right? In that culture. And the Bible says the cave did not belong to him. It belonged to the sons of Heth. The sons of Heth, the word Heth means dread or fear. These were like warrior, warlike people, militant. They intimidate people, the sons of Heth. 
Now, Abraham goes to the, the sons of Heth, and he makes a request. He says, I want to buy that part of your land, the double cave of Machpelah, so that I might bury my dead in it, preserve my wife. Right? The word Machpelah means double cave. Double cave. And um, the sons of Heth, when they saw him, now you don't play with the sons of Heth. They'll sort you out quickly. These are like, you know, I, I watched a, a documentary last night on the, history pro, on the history channel, that El Pacho, that gangster in Mexico. And I watched the whole thing. Wow, this guy was yo, ruthless. Hey. And he several escapes from several prisons and still running drug cartels in the whole of Mexico, entrance into the States, etc. And uh, sons of Heth were like that, right? Intimidating. So Abraham comes to these guys and says, I want that cave. Right? So um, the sons of Heth said, no, no problem. He asked, what price? The price was 400 shekels of silver, right? 400 shekels of silver. Um, the sons of Heth said, we will give it to you. No problem. Don't pay us any money. Now, they don't do things like that. Right? We will give it to you. And they say this to him, For we see in you, you are a mighty prince. Does he have a whole lot of sons? He only has Isaac, remember? But you know what they say? They say, you are not just an ordinary man. When you come to make the request, we see in you that you, you have such power and representation in the realm of the spirit we are willing to give this to you free of charge. Okay? Abraham insisted, no. He said, I will pay the full price for it. Thank you for your offer. Remember like the Aruna offered the threshing floor to David free of charge. But David said, no, I'll pay the full price for it. Uh, he's following a pattern in the patriarch, Abraham. Abraham said, no, I will pay a full price. In other words, Abraham never ever wanted to express something covenantally in reference to preserving the memory of Sarah without a cost to himself. Many people want freebies today. Not many people are willing to pay the price. Okay? Remember the whole idea of bearing Sarah is, I want to preserve your memory and the contribution you made to the unfolding nature of God's purposes. Okay, I wish you could get into that study, but let's leave that for another day. This is just a preview of a forthcoming attraction, right? So, um, I like this. They say, for we see in you, you are a mighty prince. You know, I checked it out in this week in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, a mighty prince means, we see in you a whole army of people. You are one man. So, you know, these guys are like the rulers of their day. One man comes and he says, hey, that field, that double cave, Machpelah, I want to bury my wife. Can I buy it from you? They say, wow, look at this guy. These guys are rulers in their own right. They say, your representation, you're one man, but we see you covering the earth. What are they saying prophetically? We can see you could have multiplicity of sons. So we bow. And they don't do this ordinarily. And we will grant you it free of charge. But he insisted he pays the, the full price. You see what happened in, in his day. You know what, by the way, you know what the Bible says? When he paid it, they said to him, don't only take the cave. Take all the fields that you can see. Take it, mighty prince. What is happening? You see, there were 
he, on the day when the Lord finished the heavens and the earth and their hosts, stuff, hosts, sabah, things arranged with military precision to do what? To serve you. Abraham comes on the scene. There's image. There's likeness. There's a representation of Christ. And things in his world suddenly bow to serve the purposes of God in him. Does he fast and pray for provision? Come on, talk to me. Does he fast and pray for provision? Huh? He doesn't. He simply pitches up in representation. He pitches up in image and likeness. And he says, I want to buy your field. And the hearts of hard men melt. The hearts of hard men are pulverized in his presence. One man, you are a mighty prince. You have, please brethren, next time you go to any context, don't go as you. <laughs> go as Christ in you. People will perceive this is no ordinary girl. This is no ordinary young man. He's coming in image and likeness. And what you need to get God's purposes done in your day will be opened up to you. God will open his treasure chest to you. He will turn the hearts of men to, to bless you. Abraham was a blessed man. Okay? Now I'm trusting God for this, for myself. I'll tell your neighbor, you are a mighty prince. Even sons of Heth that you dread. The word Heth means dread or fear. Even sons of Heth that you dread. Don't dread them anymore. Don't stand back from moving to appropriate what is truly yours in Christ. Right? Don't fear the giants in the land like I told you last week. Don't fear that domain. You go up, go in, and you possess the land that the Lord God has, has given to you. Amen? Don't fear, but go up, go in. And possess the land. So Abraham has got this blessedness attached to his, to his person. He's a blessed man and so are you in Christ Jesus. Last week I said, you too, according to Ephesians 1.3, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3.1. Right? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 14 and 15 says the following. Galatians 3 verses 14 and 15. In order that who? In Christ Jesus, where are all the blessings located? Everyone say in Christ. Got to be in Christ to access this. The blessings of who? Of Abraham might come upon who? Are you a Gentile? Yes, non-Jew or nations. The word Gentile is either non-Jew or is a genetic descriptor of the general nations of the earth. Right? The blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, please listen very carefully. Follow me. Before you were born, in, 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 in eternity past even, you were always exist, you always existed in spirit form in God. Always. In a certain point in time, He chose to manifest you in the earth. Alright? 
uh, to Jeremiah, God said this, Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. How can God say that? That before the man is born, God says to a man, I know you. I knew you. And the word know is not simply I knew of you. He's saying, I didn't know about you. He's saying, I knew you. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing someone. And the word know is the word yada. It literally means to be personally and experientially and intimately involved with someone. So think about the possibility. God was personally, intimately, experientially, means by experience. He was involved with me. My birthday is the 14th of February, 1968. So I'm a Valentine's baby. When Sheila Barnwell and Boise Barnwell, my parents, got together in a sexual act and conceived me, when my father's sperm merged with my mother's egg and Randolph Barnwell was conceived in time, nine months later, I was pushed out. I came into the earth on the 14th of the 2nd, 1968. That did not signify the start of my existence. Because God said, before that, I knew you. I did not start living at the point of, is it conception? Right? I did not start living at the point of birth. God said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. You were in spirit form, did not have flesh. But in spirit form, I was intimately, experientially, and practically involved with you in spirit form. I chose to at a point in human history to bring you, to reveal you into the earth. Because, you see, I thank God I wasn't born in the 1400s. Right? No Wi-Fi, at least. I thank God I was born in this epoch in time. Right? I was Skyping uh, with a tremendous Bible study yesterday with the, the global family, Trinidad, Canada, uh, UK. It was marvelous, marvelous. I felt encouraged. And you know what the Lord ministered to us? We went through some indicators of pride. But the whole thing where the priests went through the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, remember? And they passed through the Jordan. The Bible says, when their feet touched the, the waters, the feet of the priests rested on the waters, the Bible says. And the Bible says, a great distance upstream. God started to dam the waters. So the miracle really did not start at the point of their obedience. The miracle started to manifest out of their view. Way kilometers upstream, God made a supernatural dam of the water. But they had to be obedient to the command here. I started speaking about Jordan is rapidly descending issues of humility. Remember? So if you can step into humility and abide there obediently, sometimes you don't see the immediacy of the acts of your obedience now because God is busy damming up waters and so that only a few hours later you will experience the repercussions of your, of your miracle. And you know what dawned upon me? You know where the waters were dammed up? The waters were dammed up out of the view several kilometers upstream near a city called Adam. Right? Where Adam is, is where the Jabbok joins the Jordan. The Jabbok is a ford. It's a stream that joins the Jordan. What does Jabbok mean? My emptying. 
my pouring out. So the miracle happens at the point at which you pour yourself out. You step, you, you cannot step obediently into an act of obeying God without the disposition of emptying yourself out of pride. Right? So I'm saying that to encourage some of you here. That some of you have, you're not seeing the results of some things you obeyed God for. Because I tell you by the Spirit, God is busy damming the waters up. Right? At the point in which you've emptied yourself and you've chosen to obey God. Watch this space. Tell your neighbor, watch this space. Just watch this space. You see, we often love suddenly moments. And suddenly, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Acts 2. Pentecost doesn't just happen out of a vacuum of God preparing certain things all along the way. People's immediately moments and suddenly moments are built upon a, a legacy and a consistency of obedience. Okay? And I just sense, uh, I needed to say that for some of you, you are in a breakthrough moment. You are in a, uh, you're going to walk through on dry ground. Right? You know what's amazing to me? You know where the place where Joshua crossed? It says, and they were exactly opposite Jericho. They crossed and there's Jericho waiting for them. Right? Do you know why? Last week I told you about the Rahab reality. The Rahab reality is this. The two spies sent to spy Jericho were taken in by Rahab the harlot. Rahab informed the two spies. The men, the, our mightiest warriors, our valiant warriors in this city are so fearful because of you, the children of, of Israel. Right? But apart from a few battles here and there under Moses, apart from the great deliverance from Egypt, they didn't have a terribly great reputation as a military nation. Eh? And besides, this group that's crossing over, all the 20-year-olds. Right? Remember, God had to wait for all the older to, to die. So all the warfaring experience by that point, by the end of 40 years, had already ceased in the wilderness. Right? I think that God saw how they crossed the, the people of Jericho saw how they crossed the Red Sea. And that brought fear into the hearts of the men of Jericho. Because right? they were crossing right opposite Jericho. Right? When, when the, the men of, the, of Jericho saw, wow, see what kind of God these people serve. Priests step into water and water dams up. At that point at which Jericho is, Jordan rapidly flows at certain parts in, the, in its in its in its flow, right? You know the power of water, a rapidly descending water, right? They must have thought, wow, if these people can deal with the power and force of water to this degree, what will they do to these walls? If that can be done to that flow, these walls are nothing to these people. That's why the Bible says the hearts of the men were fearful because of them. Here is an encouragement to some of you. God's going to bless you so much. Please take this as a prophetic word. God's going to bless you to such a degree because of your consistent, obedient faithfulness to Him. In humility, at Jabok, you've emptied yourself and you've chosen to obey God despite all contrary indicators. But you've chosen to go the way of obedience. Know this, declares the Lord to you. You might not yet have seen the result of your obedience. But God is saying, I'm damning things upstream. 
Wait and see the effect of your obedience is coming to you. But also declares the Lord, I will use this outcome in your life as an intimidating factor against the next battle you are about to face. Please take this in. Factor it into your spirit. Something major is going to happen in terms of breakthrough in your life, in your family. And God's saying, it's going to be because of prior obedience. There's some things you've done, you've not seen the full manifestation of it. It's going to break through. And when it breaks through, God says, I'm going to use it as an intimidating factor against the next giant that stands in your way. When that giant sees what God did to you, through you, for you, in the present circumstance, their hearts will, like the men of Jericho, melt with fear. Melt with fear. Okay? And there are certain, there are certain enemies that we don't need to see again. Yeah? We don't need to see. You know, we're doing the baptism study here. We were in a semicircle here in the corner. And it, the, the thought gripped me so powerfully that God had to destroy the Egyptian might by drowning everybody in the sea. He had to. You know why? Where is Egypt in reference to Israel? Down the road. If you know your map, there's Israel, there's Egypt down here, right? Okay? Which nation is enslaved by a superpower, the most powerful political and military might in their day for 430 years, comes out in one night, one night, comes out after all the plague issues, right? Comes out in one night and can safely go to your promised land and just chill. Which one? It's like chill. Hey, we've come out chill. Wouldn't you harbor the thought, hey, these, these Egyptians are strong. We entertain the possibility of a reprisal. They're going to come and try to take us back or at least destroy us or take us back. In other words, Egypt forever represented a psychological threat to Israel. Would have forever represented an intimidating psychological threat to Israel simply by virtue of their proximity. God had to ensure, I will destroy the military might of this nation in one drowning. Please remember this, that when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, Pharaoh and the, the core of the military might of Egypt followed after. And the Bible says they were drowned in the sea. Do you know that drowning wasn't just Israel's great escape? It's not a great escape. God impoverished, neutralized the Egyptian might. The military might of Egypt was reduced to absolutely nothing such that they will never ever again pose a threat to Israel. Right? I personally don't think they've recovered economically or militarily from that day even up to now. You think of Egypt in its heyday. There was no civilization that came close to them. Even the Roman civilization uh, that came there afterwards, people hail Egypt as such a strong. They've never recovered from that. Now hear the word of the Lord to you. You know what Moses said to Egypt or to Israel as they just were about to cross? What did Moses say? Take one last look. The Egyptians you see now, you will never ever see again. That's what he said to them. What is he saying? He's saying this enemy 
you will never ever have to deal with in your life again. There will be other enemies, but at least this one we're sorting out once and for all. Right? How many of you got that one thing that you say, God, this thing, you must bury it once and for all. I don't want to see it again. There might be other problems, but at least this thing, bury it now. Okay. You got some of those problems? Listen, I you know this message has gone totally wrong again, but I don't mind the Lord's interruption. We'll get back to the blessing of Abraham when we, when we do. All right? But, you know, when you are operating as a son of God, this is the point. When you're operating as a son of God in the earth, there might be a Red Sea in front of you, an Egyptian army behind you. If you factor in your mind, hey, I am blessed. I'm highly favored. Right? Do you know what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate? Jesus said, or Pontius Pilate said to him, uh, do you not know that I have the authority to take your life or to save it? You know how Jesus responded to him? Jesus said, I think you've got to, I'm paraphrasing, right? He didn't actually say this, this is my paraphrase of what Jesus said, right? Jesus literally said, Pilate, I think you've got it all wrong. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, you would have no power over me unless my heavenly Father has given it to you. You know, the Bible says, by the, in this lovely text in Romans, it says that they, they killed the Son of God, nailing Him to the cross. He was done so by the predetermined counsel of the Lord. Right? It was God's plan that He would die. But even though Jesus went through that process, you know how convinced and confident He was in going through the cross? Even standing before like Pontius Pilate, the guy says, I have authority to... Either save your life or to destroy it right now. He said, listen, whatever authority you have, you are only a custody of it. If you have any authority over me, it will be given to you by my Father to accomplish a very specific purpose. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm no victim in this court. In this court of point, my destiny is not in your hands. My destiny is in the hands of my heavenly Father. He, in His will, can give you temporary authority to decide my faith. But it's really not you. My Father is weaving things behind the scene to get His will done for my life. Right? So now when I go through life, I don't, don't go through life as a victim. Right? All things are working together for my good. And God works all things after the counsel of His, of his own will. So I function in this blessed dimension. I got the favor of God on me. Whatever I do is blessed. Now, this text says, the blessing of Abraham, hallelujah, the blessing of Abraham will come upon the Gentiles, okay? The blessing of Abraham is going to come upon the Gentiles uh, through in Christ Jesus. Now, you might argue, Randall, if you told me that I was involved with Christ before the event of my birth, he knew me before I was born, he chose me to release, to release me in time on my birthday. I'm now alive. I'm his son. Okay. He now has blessed me, has favored me in Christ Jesus. All the hosts in heaven and things on the earth are looking to serve me in some way. Who'd like to be served? You know, it's an amazing thought. Things are beckoning to serve the purposes of God in me. 
But don't, don't compromise image likeness and fulfilling the purposes of the Lord in your day. Don't compromise those two things. Now, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 12, I'll just take another 10 minutes just to lay some foundation for us to continue. Um, not next week, but the, probably the week thereafter. Because next week's our Thanksgiving. Not next week. On the 18th is our Thanksgiving. Romans 4.12, the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham, which he had while he was uncircumcised. What I want to encourage you with this, yes, we must follow Jesus. Yes, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12 says, the author and the finisher of our faith. But this verse says, watch, it says, the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, not, not of the Jews only, in other words, but to those who follow what? In the steps of our father Abraham, which he had while he was yet uncircumcised. The Bible clearly teaches that Abraham is a very good model to be held up for you to emulate. What God does in his wisdom, he gives us case studies, right? He gives us uh, show and tell lessons. So that in persons, Abraham's life is held up such as a model before the modern day church. Paul says he's the father of faith, walk in the same steps of faith as he walked in. And you'll get the same results as he got. And then uh, in, in Isaiah, look at Isaiah 51 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 51 verse 1 and 2. It says, listen to me, all you who pursue righteousness, seek the Lord. And who must you look to? It says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to who? And the quarry from which you were dug. Verse 2, look to Abraham. Your father and to Sarah who gave you birth in pain. When he was but one, I called him, and then I blessed him, singular, and I multiplied him. So the scripture says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to the quarry from which you were dug out from. God speaks to Israel. It says, look to Abraham and to, and to Sarah. What must you look to, Abraham? What must be the focus of your look? God saying, hey, when he was one, I called him and I did what to him? I blessed him and I multiplied him. So God is saying to us, study the blessed dimension of Abraham. Look to how he blessed he was. Copy his faith to access the blessing he got. And then we, we read a moment ago in Galatians 3, it says, put Galatians 3, 14 up again. Please, you must get this church. Otherwise, you might think we're worshiping Abraham. We're not. We're still worshiping Jesus. But God says, I'm using him as a case study because the blessing, next, next verse, okay, yeah, the blessing of Abraham is going to come on us. Whatever God said to Abraham is yours. In other words, any promise or blessing made to Abraham, you can appropriate, you can enter it by looking at the example of his life appropriating the steps. Everyone say the steps. Now let me just say this to you. The Bible says in Romans 4, you must walk in the steps of your father, Abraham. It doesn't say walk in the leaps. It says walk in the... 
the steps of a, <laughs> come on, tell me, the steps of a, does it say the jumps of a righteous man? Does it say the leaps of a righteous man? Some of us want the leaps, but we're not prepared to take the steps. It's the steps. It's what you do daily. It's what you do consistently. It's what you do all the time. Some of you have gone through 2016, and you're hoping for great things in 2017. But you've been highly inconsistent this year, but you're expecting great leaps of breakthrough. It doesn't work. God's saying the steps, the things in which you are, consistently faithful at doing yes those things must be kept in place okay so tell you never watch your steps watch your steps do the right thing all the time whatever you know this is let me give you i want to have time to go into the details of this but i want to give you one key i got eight here right one key in reference to to abraham Look at Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Let's see what did God first say to him after God called him out of Haran. Right? Leave or of the Chaldees. Leave of the Chaldees and, and come. Leave your country, leave father, mother, and come out of that context. Right? What did God say to him? Watch. Can we read this in chorus? Come on, read it nice and loud and strong. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will bless the one who curses you. I will curse, sorry. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed now, isn't that an amazing promise god said that blessing comes upon anyone in christ jesus the blessing of abraham will come upon anybody that is poised or positioned in christ jesus so whatever abraham was promised and experienced i can appropriate it for my life right so i want to encourage you learn this off by heart if you can you know, uh, look at verse 2 again. Come on, verse 1. Quickly look. Right. Next one. Everyone say, I will make you a great nation. Can you realize what the sons of Heth saw when they saw the man? They didn't see one sin. The promise was so internalized in Abraham that even though he had one son, when they saw him, they saw, yeah, you are a mighty prince. You are an army here in front of us. Take Machpelah. Take the land. Don't pay us. Just take it, please, because we have high regard for you. You are a man of weight and stature in God. You see, it's the power of representation. It's the power of when one man stands, the force, and the power the man exudes. Right? I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Oh, by the way, don't think, yes, we're going to become famous. <laughs> this doesn't mean that. If you ask, what is his name, by the way? Abraham at this stage, not Abraham. His name is only changed to Abraham in Genesis 17. This is early stages, Genesis 12. So Abraham means, hi, father. When God says, I make your name great, 
God is specifically talking Abraham. He's saying the principle of fathering, I'm going to exalt. It's going to be a principle covering the whole earth. Are you a son? Talk to me. Yes? Are you a son? Do you know that in you is the principle of father? Because in Jesus, unto us, a son is born, a child is given. Or a son is given, a child is born. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. But the son is also called father. So in the son is a principle of father. In fact, the father principle only has the capacity to be uh, stewarded, to be received, contained, stewarded in a construct called son of God. Are you all sons? Talk to me. Are you all sons? But do you know in your sonship, you must have the mind of your father in reference to how you deal with people in the world. So you see someone in orphanity, an orphan, struggling. You as a son in your ministry to them, you represent the face of father to them. When God said, I will make your name great, he was saying, I'm going to take the principle of fathering and amplify it, multiply it so powerfully in all your sons that they're going to father fatherless environments. They're going to father fatherless people. How many people are struggling with fatherlessness? Yeah? Right? Do you know we have the answer? I want to encourage you in your, in your evangelism, take somebody under your wing and, and grow them up. You, you adopt a fatherly position and you grow them up to maturity. Right? I will make your name. This is our blessing. Come on, you still want to be favored? This blessing is part of being favored. You know, I think the, one of the greatest expressions of the favor of God upon someone is to express fatherliness to another. Spirit of adoption. Right? Highly favored. But let me just say this as we close. I will bless you. What does it say? I will bless you. I will bless you. Okay, here's a preview of a forthcoming attraction. Right? Question. Genesis 12, right? Is Abraham blessed? What did God say? I will bless you. Did not God bless the first Adam? And Eve, when they were created, the first thing God says, and the Lord God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, have. So humanity has got encoded within it, blessedness, blessing. We are blessed people. But sons of God, in time, blessing is activated. When God called Abraham to sacrifice his boy, remember? Did he go through with the intention? We intended to, right? What did God say to him after, watch, what did God say to Abraham after he proved, I'm willing to, in obedience, step into my Jordan and obey your command? You'll find this in Genesis 22 verse 16. Now, I want to close with this. Please, you've got to concentrate. This is now, now let me ask you the question, is he already blessed? Genesis 12, not so? He's already blessed. Here is a daring act of courageous obedience. Obedience unto death. And check what the Lord says. Now, Abraham, by myself, I have done what? I have sworn. When somebody swears, not like the swearing we know. I'm talking here judicially. You swear on oath. When you swear on oath, it's irrevocable. It's irretractable. It's involuable. You cannot cancel it. What you say is what is heard and established as true. So everyone say, God swore. 
Now, Abraham just demonstrated obedience to God. Question, is he blessed? He's blessed. He demonstrates obedience to God. And check what God says to him. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing. And have not withheld your only son. Your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly. You see, he promised blessing, but now he says greatly blessed. He moves from blessing to being greatly blessed. Indeed, now I will. Please, this is no more promise. This is an irrevocable oath. God is establishing. It's like someone, you know, when they, when they go to a court of law, they say, lift up your right hand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so I help you, God? And you say, I do. Picture God, right? Now listen, God has got nobody else to swear by. There's no one greater than him, right? The Bible says, you, you read some other commentaries of Paul about this. He says, he swears an oath to himself. Because there's no one higher, right? Can you picture God with hands lifted up to himself? <laughs> Saying, hey, Abraham, he checks Abraham, he says, now, indeed, I swear. In other words, whatever you do from this point onwards, you will never be able to change my mind on my intent to bless you. This one act of obedience has really done something to me, Abraham. I promised you in Genesis 12, your obedience now has taken this to another level. Indeed, I will greatly multiply your seed like the what? The stars of the heavens and the sand which is on the seashore. If you do your, your reading properly, in Genesis 13, God said to him, your descendants will be like the sand on the sea. But now they're not only like the sand or the dust on the earth, they're like the stars. Can you see God giving more detail to his blessing? More details coming to every prophetic utterance. And the sand which is on the seashore and your seed will possess the gate of their of the enemies. They've got a lot to say about that statement, but not now, right? Their seed, your seed is going to possess the gate of their, of their enemies. Next verse. And in your seed, or what? All nations of the earth shall be blessed. Hey, but this is wrong. You might stop quoting, Lord, you're quoting it wrongly. Because in Genesis 12, you said all families of the earth are blessed. Now through one act of obedience, it's not just families. God says to him, not families, now nations. Nations on the, of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Why? Here's the critical thing. Because you have obeyed my voice. You see, I hear many Christians going around, I am blessed, I am blessed. You're saying something that is a positional truth. And you walk out the door. And think that you can live how you want to in disobedience. And still think God's going to stand behind his word. It doesn't work. Abraham is a powerful example of how the positional blessing is declared by God. But in life, he never loses image and likeness. He knows things in heaven, things in earth will come to serve me. But that does not absolve me from having personal responsibility to obey God at every turn. You can lose your blessed state in a moment of disobedience. Come on, say, because you have obeyed my voice. Come on, say it louder. Because you have obeyed my voice. Right? I can show you one quick more example. Genesis 14. What's the last few verses there? 
right at the bottom where Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Okay? Who's Melchizedek to Abraham? Priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek is functioning. Someone please find the verse for me. I don't have it in my notes. I'm just thinking of it as I'm speaking. Genesis 14, the last few verses in the chapter where he tied to Melchizedek after defeating the kings. Right? And 18, right? Genesis 14. Genesis 14. Melchizedek is Abraham's spiritual father. It's Abraham's leader, spiritual leader. Right? After defeating the kings of war, he comes back a rich man with all the spoil. What does he do? He tithes to Melchizedek. Watch. When he tithes to Melchizedek, what? Or before that, even before he tithes, watch. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out what? Just read verse 17 quickly. I promise you we're going to pray Powerfully in a moment. After his return from the defeat of Chedaloma and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah. That's the king's valley. Why was the king of Sodom first in line to meet Abraham? He wanted all of his people back and all the goods that Chedaloma stole from the city of Sodom. But Abraham seems to like ignore him. He says, no, no, no. Hang on, bro. One king to another king talking, right? He says, no, no. You're not my priority right now. Where's Melchizedek? Before I distribute goods, I want to honor the principle of the tithe. Before I pay anybody else what's due to them, I want to sort this principle out first, right? I want to tithe where I should be tithing. And, and he says, uh, verse 18, so he dismisses king of Salem, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out what? Bread and wine. Bread and wine, uh, bread is an image of the word of God, wine an image of the revelation of God. In other words, you should tithe to the person that serves you bread and wine. You can't eat, order at McDonald's and pay at KFC. So, watch. King of Salem, uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of the Most High God. And then the Bible says, he blessed him. You know, I'm confused like this. If I was Abraham, I would say, no, hold on, my father. Hold on. I know I love you, respect you. I'm already blessed in Genesis 12. God told me He's blessing me. You see, although you're positionally blessed, there are things that you have to do in life. Observe certain principles that activate the, the already given blessing. Melchizedek is acting representatively now of the Lord. Right? He blessed him and he said what? Blessed be Abraham. Yes, a priest, a spiritual father over a spiritual son saying, I bless you on God's behalf. I activate what is already true of you from God's perspective. Right? Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of what? Come on, say it loud, heaven and? What is in the heaven and earth? Hosts. God is saying through Melchizedek to Abram, every host in heaven and earth designed to serve the purposes of God in you now I, as your father, activated by a verbal blessing in your life. Now you're not just serving a God. I frame your mind, Abraham. The God you serve is the possessor of two realms for you. Bless you. And I have much to say this but because of time. Let's just finish off quickly. And blessed be God. He blesses God. Blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Then the Bible says, and he gave him what? Question. Did he tie to get the blessing? No. He tied from a blessed state. 
You don't tithe to recruit blessing. You tithe from the position of being blessed. Right? And he did not tithe then Melchizedek blessed him. Melchizedek activates blessing and then he tithes. But he came with an intention to bless the man of God, to honor him with the tithe. And this priest opened up two realms, God the possessor of heaven and of earth. Genesis 15, verse 1 and 2, quickly. Because of this, you know what happens from God's perspective? Check what God said to Abraham. After these things, everyone say these things. What things? The things are two. The rescue of Lot, his brother, and the honor of a spiritual father. The honor, the rescue of a brother, loving the brotherhood, and the honor of a, of a father with, 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 the, with the principle of the tithe. After these things, what came to Abraham? The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Who wants the word of the Lord? There are certain words of God that will come to you based upon your obedience. Right? And the word of the Lord came to him saying, do not fear, Abraham. Why did God say do not fear? He's just come from a major war, right? Like Israel, had no psychological fear of Egypt. Abraham, God was ensuring him, don't have any fear about any repercussions from any Persian empire around about you by virtue of the war that you've just come from successfully. He says, do not fear, Abraham. Watch, I am a what to you? I'm a shield to you and your reward will be very great. Yeah? He can argue, but yes, God, you told me that in Genesis 12. But God said, no, you are, I want to demonstrate this for fear of making myself dramatic. Uh, the what? Come on, say the steps. Come on, say the steps of a righteous man. You see, in Genesis 22, God will say to him, now take your son, your only son, sacrifice the boy. He doesn't come to a place of such great obedience overnight. This man is consistently doing the right thing. Then God drops the big one on him. Take your son, your only son. He can go through that big act of obedience because all along the way, he's consistently obeyed the small things. Tell your neighbor, you're only getting ready for the big one. <laughs> huh? You know, God always, you think you're fine. You think you're settled. And the Lord says, now you're ready for the next. Let me check your heart in the next realm of obedience. But all of this, is part of your blessed state. Tell your neighbor, I'm a blessed man. Amen? Come on, tell someone I'm a blessed man. James, you're a blessed man. Your dad is your blessed man, dad. And you obey, watch. He didn't tire to get blessing. He obeyed from the position of being blessed. And that opened up a whole new world of God speaking to him. I don't have time to go through all of Genesis 15. Let's just quickly read verse 2. I'll be a shield, your reward will be very great. Abraham said, Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And in heir in my house, Eleazar is my chief of the 318. I've got 318, he's my chief. Give him the inheritance. Then God gives him detail. No, the child born from your loins will be your heir. Yeah? See, detail unfolds through acts of obedience. Who wants, who wants more detail about your prophetic destiny? Yeah? Every act of obedience will unveil more, more reality. Amen. Repeat after me, because you've obeyed my voice. You know, I can't get that thing out of my mind. When I go out here now, went to a wedding, went to a baptism service. Next week is a whole story all on its own, right? I'm going to go through life. But at the back of my mind, every 
time I engage things, I'm going to hear this in my mind. God said to me, because you obey my voice. Let that ring like a clarion trumpet in your mind. Because you obey my voice. Because you consistently do the right thing. Your steps are ordered of me, declares the Lord. In blessing, I will bless you. I'll make your name great. In you, not just families, all nations of the earth will be, will be blessed. My branches are running over the wall. Right? Your influence is going beyond what walls prescribe. I'm a blessed man. Stand with me. Declare it. I'm a blessed man. Genesis 12 on the screen. Let's read it together as we close and pray. Oh, come on, say it like you're blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And listen, because I'm blessed, I will obey God, God's, all, all of God's requirements. I will be, I'll be obedient to the demand of the Lord. Every act of obedience unveils greater levels of favor. You see, favor doesn't just grow. It grows in a context of consistent obedience to the Lord. Amen? Blessed. Verse 2. Let's read this and I'm going to pray. Come on, lift your hands and appropriate this for yourself. This was the original word, the first one that God gave to him. After calling him out, obviously, from her. From her. Now, verse 2. Come on, let's read it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now with your hands raised, say, in us, not just the families, but all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Say, say this after me, on us, the blessings that were on Abraham have come upon us because we are in Christ Jesus. Now say that and let the truth sink into you. Say, say it again, in Christ, the blessing of Abraham is on me. It's on my family. Whatever he was blessed with, so am I blessed with. Lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to activate the Melchizedek principle now. I know most of your life stories here. And I know the consistency of the faithful obedience that you've... And some of you have put your foot into the Jordan, but the rivers have been dammed upstream and you haven't experienced the fullness. Today declares the Lord, get ready. I'm about to do it and it's going to intimidate your next giant. The next, the next battle after this will be a walk in the park. The walls of Jericho will fall inward. Right? You will not have to lift a finger. The, the, the Egyptian army you now see, you will never see this enemy again. Some of us have been plagued with, with financial deficiency for too long. It's that enemy you don't need to see again. Some relational strife, you don't need to see that thing again. Say, God, once and for all, I'm asserting my blessed state in you. The inability to understand the scriptures. Darkness, blur, I don't want to see that enemy again. Today, light has come to you. Light has come to you. You are blessed. You know, if you only understand how blessed you truly are, you will not be victim-minded victim anymore. You walk out these doors. You face trial. You face the sons of Heth. But they'll recognize the prince of God in you. 
and that will adjust things simply to accommodate your presence and the purposes of God in you. I am blessed. I am blessed. Thank you, Father. Come on, lift your voice and just thank Him for your blessed. Lift your voice and thank your Papa, how He has blessed you. Come on, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you how blessed, how favored we truly are. We thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you that for my blessed estate in you. I bless you. We honor you as a house. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you blessing. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you power. Thank you, Lord, that the Egyptians we now see, we will not see again. Thank you, O God, that the blessing of Abraham is upon us in Jesus' mighty name. In Christ, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The host of heaven, come now and serve your people. The host of heaven, come now and serve your people. The host of the earth, come now and serve the sons of God. Serve the purposes of God in the sons of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we release every resource spiritually, practically, financially, any dimension of whatever we would ever need to fulfill your purposes in the earth, we activate it now in the name of Jesus. It's released now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, that it's done in your name. Amen and amen.